Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Game Psychologist, and with me, as always, asking for something that's a little bitter and a little sweet. And a low caffeine rage. Indeed. On today's show, we will be hitting our April Game Club, which is Coffee Talk. We'll tell you what May's Game Club is going to be. Cloud Gaming blocks Microsoft and Activision merger? Question mark. Live service keeps killing modestly successful multiplayer games, and it doesn't have to be this way. Atari announces an acquisition of more than 100 PC and console titles from the 80s and 90s. 80% of game workers are interested in a four-day week. You'll search survey finds. And a couple of articles in a community corner. Apple's iOS walled garden doesn't break antitrust laws and appeals court affirms. And a fan unwittingly scores new Magic the Gathering cards early before Wizards of the Coast gets 19th century on his ass. The Pinkertons showed up and took everything. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Um, caffeinated. That's good. I haven't had any caffeine tonight. I had so much coffee at work today. Um, I did not get any tonight, but I'm painting. I got my light turned on. Like, I should be good as long as I don't get a sore throat. It is allergy season. Yeah. I've been taking my antihistamines every day for like, you know, two weeks or two months now. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, dear listener, apologies for the two week absence. One of those was planned. I had a conference that I went to. Um, for my continued education credits as part of my license. Um, And how does that make you feel? It makes me feel great. I uh, got to take uh, like a day and a half off from work, got paid, learned some stuff about doing some couples counseling that, you know, just kind of updates to a lot of stuff I learned in school, but some new methodology and approaches for dealing with infidelity. That was nice to learn. Um, that is dealing with infidelity in, in counseling. Um, oh, I have a story. Not from that. That reminds me of a story from my corporate compliance training, which was yesterday. Uh, you have to do it once a year. Mm-hmm. And my, my year was up. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. And last week, though, was kind of unexpected. I had some, some very personal things happen. Um, Rage knows the gist of what's, what, what went down. Um, everything is fine. Now, I'm going to be working on some positive changes in my life in the future. But, um, you know, it just technically it was it was settled in time to be able to record. But I was very frustrated and frazzled. So I would have I would have not been able to really, really record last week. So that's why we wound up going Franken last week. Um, Corporate compliance training. So. uh we were doing a section on fraud and we have to do the same training every year. And it's basically fraud, bad don't defraud insurance companies or the state. Um, and there's this old lady and she's going through the stuff. There's like three of us in there other than her. One of your co-workers would know that. (laughs) Right. Um, but she's going through and she's like, yes, uh, you know, so 
in, in conclusion, and as a review of the module, if you accidentally commit fraud um, by billing for something and we catch it and we fix it, no, no problem. Um, if it continues to happen, there may be disciplinary action. Remember, if you do an intentional fraud, it is, uh, it is, and I like jump in and go based. <laughs> like, are you familiar with, with that? Whenever people say like based, or are you asking me or I'm asking you vaguely. Okay. I mean, basically if someone says that it's based, it's like, it, that's a really good thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's used most commonly. I've seen it used to describe like whenever people are talking to, um, you know, they're like people who are, uh, have sort of far left ideals that are like tear down capitalism. It's based to steal from the man or to steal from corporations mm-hmm. or whatever. So she's like, what's it called? If you do intentional fraud and I, you know, I go based and <laughs> everyone, everyone looks at me and she like, she's so confused. And she goes, did, did you say abuse? <laughs> I, I, I just shook my head. No. And she goes, okay, sorry. I just didn't hear you there. And then like, she keeps going. <laughs> I'm like my boss's name. Her, her name is Anita. My or well, my 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 clinic director there. Her name's Anita, and she like leans over to me and she's like, "You're gonna wind up getting fired if you like keep that up." I just shrugged my shoulders. Like I, I don't think she was threatening me. I just think she was like, "One day they're gonna catch on to what you're doing." <laughs> I don't know. She did my annual performance reviews, and it was like the highest you can score is a four which seems really strange to me. And I got like a 3.9. So like, I'm not worried about her like threatening me or whatever. It's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think she's like, be careful or they'll figure out what you're saying one day and then you'll get fired. But honestly, I don't care. I'll just go work. Like technically, I mean, I do work in the private sector, but I work in what's called community mental health, which is three quarters state funded anyways. I'll just go, Mm -hmm. I'll go full private sector if that happens. So yeah, that was that's that's my quick story. Like that just I I had forgotten all about that. And it happened yesterday. I had a busy day, which I mean Tuesday's normally busy for me. Like that's normal. Tuesday's one of my two busy work mm. days. But I just I can't believe that slipped my mind until just now. But anyways, yeah. So, uh what uh, what do you have? Anything you want to talk about or do you want to dive into some uh. coffee talk? Let's dive into a nice uh, giant vat of coffee because I don't really have anything that I could talk about just yet. What's going on? Okay. Uh, uh, it, it, which I know that sounds ominous, but it's uh, okay. It might be slightly, but uh, it's not my story just yet. So we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there eventually. So let's uh, let's have some nice relaxing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I, I guess soft jazz playing <laughs> and uh, do some coffee talk. Yeah. So coffee talk um, is the game that we played for game club. If this is your first time here, which there's a chance that this might be some of y'all's first time here after that Twitter conversation I had with a, which they're based. If they are, they are based if they're here. Um, but after that moderate, that Twitter conversation I had with someone who is moderately more followers than me, and several of my relatively new clients who just discovered that I do a video game podcast. Hello. I'm not sorry. You knew what you were getting into. <laughs> you sit in my therapy office once a week or so. Um, 
Game club is and uh, it's also yeah the whole lack of pants, right? Yeah. Well, I do have to wear pants at work. They've never seen me pantsless. But that's not your choice. That is not my choice. Um, but game club is a time where where the two of us intentionally play a game at the same time. It sometimes happens anyways, but we do it on purpose. We tell the community about it ahead of time if they want to play along with us. And then we discuss it. And for the month of April, we picked a game called Coffee Talk, which is a kinetic-ish I, ca- I, I call it a kinetic uh a kinetic-ish visual novel with some light uh, barista simulation. Yeah. That's that's a good way to describe it. Um, we play I mean, it's, game- it's essentially a, a, a visual novel. There's oh. a little bit of choice going on behind the scenes, but it's more the details than the overall story, so... I'm leaning more towards the kinetic side of uh, visual novels than anything. Yeah. We played this game using Game Pass. It's available there at time of recording if you're interested in playing it late. But it's also on Steam and pretty much anywhere else PC games are sold. It goes on discount all the time. Um, or not, not all the time, but frequently enough. Uh, I don't know how much it is at retail. Let's look here. Coffee. Talk. twelve ninety nine. Is what the the one that we played costs, um, and looks like yeah, it's which, been on sale. It, it goes on sale down to six forty eight, so about fifty percent off. Yeah, and it goes actually on frequent sales. It's been on sale looks like four times this year. Uh, correction, three times. Uh, once in January, one, uh, well, twice in January, and once again, just uh, well. Well, I was going to say last month, but a uh, month before last, because it's May now. We are officially in May, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the very basic rundown of Coffee Talk. Um, well, Game Club and, and Coffee Top at a very... Cof- coffee Top? Coffee Talk at a very top-down level. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, I think you need more coffee. I might. I might. I just cracked open a Diet Coke. There's a little bit of caffeine in there. Not as much as coffee, but a smidgen. But, um, yeah, Coffee Talk, I I don't dislike it. I was expecting more. I was expecting a little more gameplay. I, like, I was expecting the barista <laughs> stuff to be a little more impactful. And I was expecting there to be a few dialogue choices. Um, well, here's the thing, okay? There are choices. And I went into this, no, uh, into Game Club knowing exactly what's going on, because I had played at least a couple days of Coffee Talk uh, before the discussion for it to be in Game uh, Club ever came up, so it didn't really blindside me as much as it did you, but the choices are if you successfully fulfill people's requests. And, like I said, it changes some of the details, there's one like major thing when Hendry is injured, it, if he uh, makes a full recovery or if he's actually paralyzed. But overall, the broad strokes of the story stay the same. That's why it's kind of towing, uh, yep, yeah, kind of straddling that line of kinetic novel or not kinetic uh, visual novel. Yeah. Uh, but there are choices that happen. It's just, it's not 
choices in your dialogue. It's choices on how you fulfill people's requests, and that changes some things. But it's not as broad as, you know, like, you know, going back to, going way back, you know, like, if my heart had wings. Where, you know, uh, changing a couple dialogue choices, you know, takes you down an entirely different path. That's not what this game is. Yeah. See, I and I was, I guess I was just, I from what had been described to, or what I had heard this game described as before, I thought there were more choices to be made. And I guess the discussion I'd heard before was focused entirely on the beverage creation and the way in which that can impact the story. Mm-hmm. But I just, I did not connect those dots prior to playing it. So I was surprised, like, oh, I thought that there was going to be a little more choose your own adventure style stuff to it. Like I wasn't expecting like a full like adventure game. I don't, I don't mean that. Like I knew that it was a visual novel. I wasn't expecting something crazy, but I was expecting a little bit more given how much praise I have seen this game receive. So I liked it, but I was disappointed in it. Um, now, see, I didn't have the disappointment because I knew exactly what I was getting into, but I did like it overall. I do wish that I did more. But that was kind of the scope of things. Yeah, so I'm not really yeah, holding that against it. If uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I do. I wish that you know, actual beverage creation or the latte art uh, uh, factored more than the what like one or two times you actually had to do latte art. Yeah, you can do it more times, but you only have to have to do it a couple of times. And you know, you, you just make a squiggle on it, and that's you know. Uh, Behold, modern art. <laughs> right. I always I, I got pretty good at making the smiley face. <laughs> that was that was the latte uh, art I here, always did. Here I thought you would have been just doing dicks the entire time. I actually tried to do dicks a couple of times. I wasn't happy Knew with it. them. Knew it. So then I just was like, I'll just stick to smiley faces. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I did I did try to make dicks. I I don't I I don't want to go through the entirety of the story. I mean, I'm not opposed mm-hmm. to, to spoiling things here or there, but also I don't want to litigate the entire story for all the characters. I do want to talk maybe about some of my favorite characters, a couple of my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's essentially a story of pairs for the most part, where yeah, outside of various interactions between the different groups, it's uh, pairs... Uh, well, couples having issues. And I don't want to say couples just in the romantic sense, because there's a father-daughter uh, thing going on there, and it's in, uh, this is Seattle. It's not Alabama. We're not going there. <laughs> right. I mean, so there's, there's Freya is the character. Yeah, she's kind of the oddball one out. Well, her and Georgie. That they're not really paired off. I but think Freya's paired off to you as the barista. Kinda, but maybe that one becomes more clear in the sequel. Which we'll yeah. possibly get to someday. But there's, Georgie's just kind of on his own. Yeah. There's this um, hint of familiarity. Or not hint. Like mm-hmm. There's there's a, some pretty clear indications of familiarity between you and Freya. And uh-huh. I don't think that there's a romantic... I mean, I think you could read it as like mm-hmm. some romantic interest. I don't think that's the explicit message, but it does seem like, you know, a, a couple of old friends yeah. in some of their interactions, especially when talking about Freya's story. Mm-hmm. But Freya, for, for the listener, is one of the 
characters that shows up in your coffee shop that you as the the player own and operate. Freya is a journalist um, who is trying to write a novel. She's done her first novel, her first novel. She's done some short story writing within the context of the universe. Yeah, which Uh, you can actually read some of it. Yeah, most most of the characters, maybe all of the characters that you interact with, like her short stories and are encouraging of her writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and she appears to have some kind of familiarity with the player character. Again, it feels more like a friendship kind of thing well, well, as opposed to romantic. The first character you interact with, and it's suggested that she's come there for years. Yeah. So, while some of the other ones are irregular at best that just, you know, happen during this window of a couple weeks uh, that the story takes place, uh, comes in or, you know, comes in for the first time. Yeah. You know what? I just thought of this. I get kind of Cheers vibes yeah. off of Freya. It's like, you know, you come in no. and you're like, hey! Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the vibe I get. Like, she's a regular, she's been coming for forever. You know, there's friendship vibes going on, but not like super duper close. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. It's a good relationship. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, kind of makes me think of this relationship I had with a, a with a barista at the coffee shop um, here in town. There used to be only one coffee shop in this area. There are several now, um, but there was one, and I would go in there when I was studying when I was in college, and I get the same drink. Every time I'd spend a little while talking to the barista, his name was John, and then I'd go do homework. And that's the same kind of thing, except she's writing or doing her actual work. But so, yeah, I mm-hmm. like Freya. She's a fine character. She's not my favorite. Yeah. Um, she's uh, that, that's just always Myrtle. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Myrtle is my favorite. But she's the big she's a big buff orc woman who's a game developer who is a game developer. I guess. Did we say Coffee Talk is a f- like a fantasy modern fantasy where that fantasy stuff is true and real. Mm-hmm. And we got a matter to fact, them. Uh, uh, Freya's idea for her, uh, one of her ideas for the novel uh, is in a world where only humans exist. And there's a lot of disbelief of, well, how's there going to be any conflict with that? Yeah. And then it, it, I mean, it does like some lampshading with like, Oh yeah. Even the smallest differences will spark color or spark. Uh, conflict like the color of someone's skin or the country that they're born in <laughs> oh there's a lot of lampshade hanging from various directions especially with Myrtle and Aqua's uh, story yeah talking about and, game developers and uh, how uh, indie devs are kind of looked down upon yeah uh, that that one felt deeply personal um, which you know indie game Etc. Etc. So there probably is a lot of very deeply personal stuff in that story for them. Mm. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Myrtle's my favorite. She's a buff orc lady. There's Aqua, who is um, merwoman. A, yeah, a merwoman. She's more like for uh, for anyone who plays D anD D, she's kind of like a triton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but she's you know she's kind of a socially awkward lady. Uh, no, no, no. The word is adorkable. Adorkable. Yes, she's very adorkable. I'm, I'm pulling up the character list here. Uh, let's see, Freya. Okay, Lua. I'm just going to go down the rest of the way from how they're listed mm. in the TV tropes. So Lua, she's a succubus who is having troubles with her boyfriend slash wants to be fiance. They're uh, 
they are a uh, interracial couple interracial couple and they're having issues with his family with him being an elf so elves in this universe are still high society snobbish assholes mm-hmm. um and so you know he and, they, she, and she's also worried uh, it, it's not really spoilerish because it's you know spelled out literally the first day you meet them uh she's worried that uh them being together will cause him to get disowned and he loses his immortality because of it because in this world elves are immortal through the power of their family They're, they don't really elaborate on what's going on or you know how that works but all right yeah, I think they're kind of following the general gist of the Lord of the Rings on that one. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know for sure, but I get the sense of like, oh, okay, if you like, you know, get banished or choose to give up your your immortality, that you'll still die. You, you know, you'll live a long mm-hmm. life, but you'll still die at the end. Yeah, um, which, uh, next character up is Bailey's, which is the elf. Which is the elf, her boyfriend. Um, honestly, I, I thought he should be queer. Like, he looked like he should be queer. Uh, no, that's... uh. Uh, on down. <laughs> yeah. Then there's Georgie. Georgie's uh the cop that you mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. he's he's like the good guy, like the good cop trope. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the story, he seems fine enough. I don't. Well, don't he's just kind of there in the story. He shows up a few times, but at least there's in this episode, there's no real like progression with him. It's just yeah, you know, he's there. Yeah. Um, Hyde, which is a vampire, <laughs> who is a, a vegan vampire, a vegan vampire, yes, who is a model, male model, um, and he he gives away it, that like, oh yes, they all of these modeling companies use vampires in their advertising because we have naturally supple skin and we literally don't age, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like, oh, capitalism. <laughs> It was capitalism all along. <laughs> I mean, uh, he said that he's been modeling for over 40 years, right? Yeah. Um, and then Gala? Gala? Mm-hmm. Um, werewolf. Is a werewolf who is a longtime friend of Hyde. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, for a while, I thought they, they were you know, coming together. Yeah. I'm not the only one, right? As a romantic couple? Yes. Yeah. See, I'm, I mean, you know, spoilers. I'm looking at TV tropes for like one of the endings that they can get. We're n- we're not wrong, <laughs> but that it, uh, like this looks like that's the like sort of the perfect ending for them, which I guess uh, yeah. is tied to finding yeah, Gala's yeah, like rage thing. Yeah. yeah, which I did get that. Um, then there's Rachel, who is a transforming cat girl, who is in a um. A band, I almost said a boy a band. But it's not a boy band. Uh, a girl basically, group. Basically, think of it like the uh, this world's uh, analogy for K-pop groups. Oh, that's a good analogy. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Where yeah. you know uh, the girls are basically worked to death, and if they and outside of that individual group, they're nothing. Yeah. Um, and like her thing is like she's trying to have a solo career, mm-hmm. and her father doesn't want her to do that. Uh, her father um, also is a former person, a uh, big shot in the music industry, and he's really worried about his uh, little girl being uh, exploited. And the thing is that 
Mm, right. Yeah. Then there's Myrtle, who we've already talked about, big buff orc <laughs> lady game designer. Um, who hasn't gone on vacation for like three or four years. Yep. Then there is Neil, who is uh, a an alien. Um, yes. We. You, I don't. You, you never get to see him. Like he's just wearing a space suit. Um. The I like Neil. Neil's kind of silly. Uh, Aqua, who we already discussed, and then Hendry, who you mentioned a few minutes ago, but that mm-hmm. is Rachel's father. Cat dad. Cat dad. Which, uh, which uh, he also has this kind of thing of not letting go as well. I mean, his, I can't believe it's not Facebook, uh, Facebook posts. His yeah. uh, uh, photo on there is from years ago, wherein Rachel is a little girl. So, you know, very much not letting go, but... This, Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, basically, like, intertwined stories uh, be, uh, between all, all these people together. It, and I think you hit it right on the, uh, the nail right on the head with Cheers. Yeah. It feels like if Cheers was a coffee shop. And maybe there's, you know, a TV show that literally is that, a sitcom that's that. I don't watch a lot of sitcoms. But maybe there's one that exists, and you, dear listener, are like, it's like blah 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 blah, but you know, Cheers is that's that's a big one. You know, I hit it, but it does feel very much like Cheers. And there are these pairings, and you kind of comment on each of their stories as time goes on in your interactions with the other characters. I, I think they rely on Florence pretty heavily for that, which makes sense for what it is that mm-hmm. she does. Um, yeah, you mean Freya or Freya? What did I say, Florence? You I'm said sorry. Florence. It, it took me a moment, like. I'm what sorry. It's Florence. I don't know why I said Florence. I meant Freya. I don't know where Florence came from. Don't don't mind me. Um, I think I was just looking at Rachel's page. Her last, you know, with her last name being Florencia. I just said Florence. Yeah, so fancy, right? So fancy. But, anyways, yes. So you you know you you just you kind of interact with these people's lives, and you make them coffee drinks. Which is, I think, the only thing we haven't really talked about, which it's a pretty simple mechanic. You get, as the game goes on, a number of increasing ingredients. You can add up to three to a drink at a time. And the order that you add them in, or, you know, sort of the amount of each ingredient that you add them in, determines what beverage that you make. And there's a whole list. And you... Um, sometimes you're told what some of them are. Otherwise, you can just kind of guess. You can sometimes make... you're just given a name or yeah. or, or some sort of like uh, attributes. Like I want something that's warm and sweet. Yeah. Uh, and if you mouse over the ingredients, it gives you like how adding that attribute will uh, change things. I mean, honestly, the probably the best way to handle that is just to go into free play. And just start, uh, yeah, randomly tapping ingredients, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, every combination comes out with a drink, so you know, you get, but basically just go down the list, you know, uh, coffee, 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 milk, coffee, coffee, ginger, co- right? Yeah, and eventually um, unlock it all. And you can trash up to five five drinks a day mm-hmm. in game, so. You know, I mean, free play would be the easiest, but you can also experiment over time if every day you're purposely trashing several drinks to learn 
the new ones. You can also, I mean, if you want to, you can just look up a list. There's a list. There were a couple. Yeah, um, I, I just looked I'm, up. I just, I just looked up a list, especially with uh, Gallo's uh, cure because right. Yeah, but um, uh, especially that—that that is one thing that I didn't really like is that you know having it have to be in a certain order made it very easy to flip things. Yeah. So having like coffee, honey, milk isn't the same as coffee, milk, honey. Yeah. Which I did. I figured that out pretty quick, but there were a couple mm-hmm. times I made drinks and I'm like, well, this is what you asked for. And like, this isn't quite what I asked for. But then like, you just do it again and you flip it and they're like, oh, it's perfect. It's like, okay. And like, you can see that it changes the stats differently, but I didn't really think about that at first. I just thought it was the ingredients themselves, but it is also what order you put them in. Yeah. Which I'm assuming that it's some sort of ratio. Like, the first ingredient is your base, which makes up a majority of the drink. Then an additive, and then, like, a finishing. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, adding ginger on the second ingredient instead of the third would be, like, adding as a main ingredient instead of, like, a garnish. Yeah. The, the coffee that was a me- little annoying. The coffee mechanic is one that is very strange. It's not bad. It makes sense. But it, it's, like... It, it, it suits the purpose. It does, but it feels like either there should be more to it, but then I think you're making a different game, or it should be less prominent, but then I think, well, what's the point? Like, it's in this weird, awkward place, because if you do flesh it out a lot more, which I would love to see, you're not having so much of a of a story game, you're having a barista game. You know, you're this like, this is the game now. But if you back off from it too much more, maybe any more, then it's like, well, why is this here? It serves really little to no purpose. You'd be better off mm-hmm. just focusing on the story at the coffee shop. So I like, you I know, mean, I, feel, I feel kind of bad for criticizing it because I think it's a fine mechanic, but it just feels a little off. I mean, I think the the main focus or the main purpose of it is to give. Essentially, a choice on at certain points, uh, like when a character comes in injured, not wanting to spoil too much, because it is like what a four or five hour game. Yeah, it's not very long. <laughs> and asking for a very particular drink, uh, giving them the wrong thing at that point is essentially choosing like the bad choice for a uh, dialogue. Yeah. Only instead of a dialogue choice, it's through gameplay mechanics. It's just a, a little bit of a strange uh, way to handle it. But I don't think it's t- a terrible way to handle it. Especially, yeah. like, in-universe. And the game gives you a couple of opportunities at the beginning, I think, to realize that. Where there's not really a consequence if you give the wrong drink. Mm-hmm. Other than people being like, oh, that's not quite what I asked for. But, yeah. Overall, yeah. I liked it. I just kind of wish it was a little bit more in depth. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that really shines uh, with Game Pass. Because if I bought this on Steam, even at its biggest sale price of like 12 bucks, it'd feel a little bit overpriced to me for such a, yeah, uh, such a short experience and such a 
a directed one, which I know you could uh, pad it out a bit more with the achievements. There's one where you have to go into free play mode and uh, you know serve so many uh, proper drinks and that sort of thing. But uh, you know that feels very tacked on to me. Yeah. Oh, I have to say, speaking of achievements, I like the achievement where that um, Aqua says <laughs> achievement unlocked, and yeah. then you get an achievement. I thought that was cute. Yeah, that's my second favorite uh, uh, wall break with achievements now. Uh, I don't think anything's going to break, uh, uh, be able to do uh, outdo Portal, or Portal 2, I should say. But, you know, it's a close second. Yeah, that was that. Although was it does, I enjoyed that. It was ruined a little bit for me by, uh, I don't know if it's just my computer or if it's the way win- uh, uh, the Windows Store, whatever, ha- handles achievements. There's a noticeable delay sometimes with achievements unlocking and them popping up as a notification. And it was like a good like 15 seconds. Uh, for me, for that one, yeah, mine was mine was right on the money. It's like achievement unlocked, and then I, you know, pressed space for the next dialogue, and then the mm-hmm. it pops. It was maybe like one, two seconds after it actually comes across the screen. I'm a pretty fast reader, so that might have also been why it didn't seem to pop at quite the right time for me because mm-hmm. I, I was reading and I was I was too fast for it. I'm not sure, but uh, it was- mentally, I was kind of laid back. I uh, had the cat uh, being needy uh, in, uh, uh, in my arms and just had it on, like, autoplay for a while. Yeah. I, Even then, it was, uh, you know, kind of slow on the achievement pop. I played this, and I wish I would have done it differently. I played this in short bursts at work. I would play a day or or, you know, most of a day and then stop, do some work or whatever because it was short. And mm-hmm. I wish I had played this in bed. I wish I'd laid in oh bed my? and played this on my computer or, you know, something like that, like on my laptop, or maybe downloaded it to my Xbox and played it like reclined back in the couch. I didn't do that. I think this would have made that a better story too. Like I didn't feel like tense or whatever, but also like I wasn't quite as comfy as maybe I should have been. I uh, see. I was late. Uh, yeah, leaned back in uh, uh, my computer chair. If I did have it on autoplay, I was just actually using the controller for most of the time just to progress dialogue. And then, you know, if I had to do latte art or something, you know, uh, grab the mouse. Yeah. Uh, But I played it all uh, in like three sessions. And that was mostly just to try to time it for last week's uh, episode. Yeah. But. Which I say, uh, the. uh, How long to be is pretty much on the money of. about four-ish hours, depending on how quickly you read. I do feel that uh, it feels like it would be served a little bit better for a slightly lower price tag. Once again, yeah, we're playing it through Game uh, Game Pass, which does uh, help quite a bit. But you know, uh, there's quite a difference once you pass that $10 threshold, to, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. And the sale price... Usually brings it down to about eight seventy, uh, US. So, I mean, it, it the spring sale price of uh, six forty nine. Yeah, feels yeah like right on the money to me. So, all right. 
Yeah, I'm looking to see if it's available on mobile. I think this would be a great game to play on my phone, especially on my new phone. I, I told you, I didn't mention that in the in the Craig recording. I, I accidentally drop kicked my phone across mm-hmm. the room and smashed it. I had I got a new one. Um, but yeah, I got, why would you do that? Because I'm clumsy. I dropped it and when I tried to catch it, I punted it. But you know, I've got the Galaxy S23 Ultra, which has got a massive fuck off screen. Like this would be great. I'm actually looking forward to playing some visual novels on my phone, doing just that, lying mm-hmm. in bed reclining on the couch whatever yeah it doesn't look like it's on mobile which sucks i think this would be a good one yeah, i think it's had a really good mobile mm-hmm. port yeah, um, i think it, whenever i upgrade phones it's not going to be to another samsung they've removed too many features that i use yeah but so yeah coffee talk you know i give it a solid like b um, i would i would give it a b plus mostly because i'm i knew what was going into it so you know the disappointment's not there yeah, I do want to play more, though. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I do want, especially now that I know what I'm getting into, I think I would like other the, the other uh, games or the, you know, the the next in the story. Yeah, which, better. hey, how about that? As we were doing the game club, uh, they released the sequel, which is just a coincidence because we set these up months ahead of time. And I didn't yeah. even know that there was a sequel coming out at the time. We set these up at the beginning of the year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. This one was uh, originally supposed to be uh, June, but yeah, you know, uh, one of the games that we were had on the list uh, went off Game Pass, and we missed that it did. So everything, not counting the next one, uh, shuffled up one, or in, the, or in Coffee Talk's case, two months. Yeah. Speaking of the next game. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people what our next game club game is? Well, we're leaving our calling card and doing Persona 5. Woo. Yeah, a big one coming in, which I don't think we're going to finish. I mean, no, definitely, definitely not. Unless I take some vacation time, which as much as I'd love to is not not in the cards. I don't think. I mean, I'm I played a amount. I'm probably about 20-ish hours in. Which sounds like a lot, but this is Persona. Yeah. This is going to be my first Persona game. I have wanted to play Persona for a long time. Um, You know, for a long time it was exclusively on PlayStation, and yes, I know you can emulate, etc., but I just never have. And then Persona 5, and then I, they've now released some of the older Persona games, but mm. I think Persona 5 was the first one that came to PC. Maybe Persona 4, I'm not sure. I, but. I, I, I think Persona 5 was the first one, because the remakes of 4 and 3 came out uh, after Persona 5 released. Yeah. Uh, according to how long to beat, uh, Persona 5 is 57 and a half hours. So it's possible, but that's pretty... That, that's that's, that's no-lifing it. I think I could get through it all this month if I played nothing else. And that's assuming, month. of course, if I didn't get a game over state where I would have to restart. Yeah. So we're, we'll see. We're going to get as far as we can. Probably do some like story kind of looking ahead. Um, at least I will. I'm, I will if I, you know, so that I can at least know what's going on later on in the game. I think I'll pre- feel pretty good about it if I can get 30 hours of playtime in. 
between now and the end of the month. I just don't get as much time to play games as I used to, which sucks because I have tons of games I want to play. But anyways, Persona 5 Game Club for May. Woo. So let's move on to our other stuff. Let me get back over here to the topics list. So for our first news topic of the night, Cloud Gaming blocks Microsoft and Activision Blizzard merger? Question mark. So this one's been kind of in the news on and off for quite a while, these two coming together, and oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it seems like the uh, British consumer uh, merchant uh, agency? Now I'm double. Uh, Competition and Markets Authority, sorry. Uh, because everyone is uh, abbreviating at CMA, and it's not the Country Music Awards. This is something different. Yeah. Uh, Reba may be powerful, but she's not this powerful. <laughs> uh, as blocked and potentially, if shit goes poorly, blocked it for a decade. Uh, the merger, which essentially kills it outright, because... Sure, uh, they can pull out of the UK if need be, but that's still a fairly decent market, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the backlash from pulling out would be mm-hmm. much more damaging than the initial revenue lost. So the main crux of the issue, it comes down to cloud gaming. And that with the addition of Activision Blizzard's catalog into a potential of xCloud... And the uh, derivatives of that on PC, it would make Microsoft too much of a monopoly on gaming to be able to uh, make the CMA feel good about this merger. And there's some other things that, yeah, Microsoft is starting to push having a very, very large catalog uh, with the Activision Blizzard uh, merger, but the cloud gaming was kind of the tipping point of it. Yeah, and I, I did some digging, and cloud gaming is a lot bigger in Europe, as we suspected for quite a while, because you know, the U.S. is just too spread out to really have it be a good investment here. Too spread out and has too unreliable still of internet infrastructure. The United States is getting better than it used to be, but you know that's a pretty low bar, if, mm-hmm. if we're honest yeah. with ourselves. So... But yeah, I was surprised when you lo- looked at these statistics. Like I have said on the show before, like I'm on record saying, like I think cloud gaming and sort of having an all-in-one device for the average household, the average family or you know group of people is going to become over time the norm. Um, and but I, you know, I. Still didn't realize how big cloud gaming was. You said cloud gaming was estimated to have what was it, twenty million yeah, users there, uh, well, worldwide. Uh, there was some uh, numbers that was kicked around, but uh, and I couldn't find anything definitive because everybody's yeah obviously wanted to uh, keep their numbers secret because right yeah. Uh, but the number I kept seeing pop up was twenty to twenty five million, which is essentially Steam's market, or I should say current user base. Uh, Right now on Steam, uh, as I'm speaking these words, there's 20 million people online. 
with a peak online today of 31 million of active yeah, accounts. I mean, I know. The same accounts aren't on every single day, but yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the active pool. Uh, cloud gaming is starting to rival that with the focus of that being in Europe with the secondary market being in Asia. Because, yeah, right? Yeah. Which 20 million people, or you know, 20 million users worldwide, may not seem like a lot when you look at the global population or the global gaming population. But, I mean, 20 million users is a huge market. Just a massive market. I mean, you know, that's... But the problem is that it's spread out between so many different services. Yes, but that shows huge growth potential. Mm -hmm. Like, even, you know, if you had... I mean, these people are paying monthly subscriptions to access the cloud gaming or yearly, some kind of subscription. So, you know, you've got an ongoing... uh, Stadia. (laughs) Right. But you've, you've got an ongoing revenue stream of, you know, five bucks a month, let's say. You know, if you've got that 20 million user base, which yes, it's spread out, et cetera. But like, hypothetically, if you've got 20 million users at five bucks a month, that's a uh, hundred million a month that you're you're bringing in as revenue. Like, that's a billion dollar more over a billion dollar a year business or, or market, which is ginormous there are thriving markets that are sub billion dollars for you know niche products you know um it's no auto industry it's no microsoft but it's nothing to sneeze at and it's only growing all the time so i mean i i am against this merger on principle but it both surprises me but also makes a lot of sense that they're going oh yeah this market look at how much this market is growing Look at what how this would position Microsoft as a, you know, monopoly holder and would stifle competition and growth. Like, okay, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I that's a good argument that it's going to potentially choke or kill this burgeoning market because you're going to dump all the power or so much power into also, a single corporation. Also, that it's so speculative on, yeah, on. What ifs for you know a decade forward? That's kind of my other kind of hung up on hang up on it. Get me wrong, uh, or don't get me wrong on this is that you know having this big of a collaboration is worrying. However, at the same time, it seems weird that you know everything is because or, or the big hang up is because of a speculative market that like i said i did the digging <laughs> there's some really wild numbers there uh, on speculation but it's also you know all speculation at this point we don't know what's going to happen yeah so yeah like i said it's kind of wild i'm i'm happy to see the merger potentially dead though but yeah i mean both of them are appealing and uh something that's interesting that i don't think it's actually covered in any of the articles is that Microsoft actually tried to auction off some of uh, Activision stuff. And the big one I kept hearing about was them trying to auction off Call of Duty to Valve. And Valve said no. Although, makes... although never really heard any details about you know, the, you know, how much it would have been or the reason Valve said no. But, right? 
I think Mac, I think Microsoft wants King more than anything else. I think Microsoft wants King. I've kind of had this theory for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't talked about it in a, in a hot minute. So I haven't had a chance to bring this up, but the more and more that Microsoft is really like going after this, I think what they want more than anything else is the King part of the Activision Blizzard King. Cause I mean, Act- Activision and Blizzard are huge companies. Absolutely. But Microsoft already has a foothold in the console and the PC gaming market space. A huge one. I mean, Microsoft is, is you know, considered one of the big three with Xbox. So they basically have they single, want the Candy Crush money. They want that mobile money, not just Candy Crush. Like having access to the publishing arm, the, the King publishing and development arm. I think they're looking looking to sort of bootstrap their own mobile um, presence. Like they tried to do it on their own with the Windows phone a, a decade or so ago. That was a huge failure. They've never really had a mobile presence. I I think that they're most interested in this whole thing, this whole acquisition for King. And the more they do things like try to bid away Activision or, you know, and these other like things that keep coming up where, where Microsoft is like, no, no, we'll sign a deal that like, you know, give you guys a decade. We won't take exclusive control of this or that franchise or this or that property. Like, no, no, we'll sign that over for a decade or whatever. But they, they don't talk about King. They don't talk about mobile that Mm -hmm. like that has flown under the radar. I think Microsoft just wants to get a foothold in the mobile market. Because of how much goddamn money is in the mobile market. I mean, uh, I think you're onto something there, actually. Yeah. I mean, mean, mobile market, we're too old for it, essentially. Yeah, every once in a while I find a mobile game that I'm interested in. But, like, you know, we're we're old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I was going to say my niece, uh, you know, is big on mobile games and... Part of their birthday was, uh, you know, a uh, Apple gift card for uh, their favorite games to, uh, you know, buy into. I know yeah. your kid's the same way, right? Yeah, my kid is about to get his first phone. Um, we were, uh, we we haven't given it to him yet. Um, but when I went in and bought my new phone, like we've been talking about getting him something, and we were looking, and it's like we were going to get him a flip phone. Like a legit, like old school flip phone. And it was more expensive both to get one and to keep it out up on your plan. Like we, we got a smartphone and I'm, I'm doing air quotes because there's of course like back end costs and it keeps us in the contract for longer, but we, we bought a smartphone for free. We, we got one for free mm-hmm. just like by adding the line to our plan. It's like a fucking like seven. It's a Motorola edge something or other so it's not like a flagship phone but mm. i mean for my nine-year-old that's way more than what he needs but you know it's like that's that's what microsoft wants we they've already got us they've got us on on pc gaming other people our age on console gaming mm-hmm. they want that youth money in fucking mobile but they're they're fortnite mobiles and they're i, I don't know how much the kids play candy crush but you know mobile gaming that's that's my pet theory i i think that it's all about king or at least mostly about king 
and then Activision Blizzard are are or nice. whatever other mobile stuff that they have that we're not thinking about. I right. mean, that that makes a really good point though. Yeah, I didn't really consider that one uh, because I I was thinking more of the big names, but whenever they started talking about you know, Call of Duty, right? Yeah, but King is a big name. Just we don't think about it that yeah. way, you know, because like, we're that's, old. That's that's my pet theory is that this is maybe not exclusively, but much, you know, mostly about the King part of the acquisition. We'll see. Time will tell. But I, I think I feel like I'm on to something here. Oh, we'll see how uh, tight your tinfoil hat is. Assuming, yeah, yeah that this continues on because. That's kind of the thing is that right now waiting on uh, appeals because, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll keep covering the story as it develops over the next however many months, possibly years, years. that this drags on. Centuries. Yeah. God, I hope I don't. Actually, that's <laughs> a lie. I want to live forever. Uh, put put my brain in a robot, please. But I hope that this doesn't tag, drag on for decades or centuries. He death of the universe. Uh, uh, Microsoft is there trying to pawn off, uh, you know, Call of Duty, you know, twenty four thousand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because they've numbered them so high and uh, so far that it's actually looped back around. Call of Duty again. Caller of Duty. This time you're playing the dogs. <laughs> oh, all right. Ready to move on. Yeah, it's a kind of a semi-general topic. Yeah, so live service keeps killing modestly successful multiplayer games, and it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, this is a article from PC Gamer from a couple weeks ago that I wanted to bring up, and it's highlighting some of the mobile, or I shouldn't say mobile games, but mobile games is part of it. Uh, uh multiplayer games that had a bit of a cult following that just got killed off because games as a service, uh, it just wasn't financially viable uh, to continue developing them. And because they're built around this whole treadmill of progression and new content, progression, new content, uh, it's easier just to kill them off. So the ones that they're highlighting is multiverses um, and... um, uh, Knockout City, Rumbleverse, uh, and a few others where uh, they had a bit of a cult following. Uh, I did play a little bit of Knockout City, and I just saw how lousy it was with the uh, currencies and shit, so, so it kind of put me off of it. But yeah. I definitely could see how if somebody got into it, you know, they would really enjoy it. But, like, uh, it's yeah, you know, different tastes for different folks, right? Yeah, uh, different strokes for different mm-hmm. folks. I mean, we've we've had this conversation, at least you and I have, and I think it's come up on the show before. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, life service games. There's no room in the market for more than than one or two life service games per genre, and that means, kind of by extension, this is kind of an extension of the conversation, which means, like, the unsaid part, but that means that games that are not hugely successful, that try to do the live service thing, are going to wind up dead. Which means that a lot of decent to good games are going to get 
shut down because they didn't make all of the money because they're unsustainable. Well, also part of it is games that are built around this live service or games as a service uh, uh, formula. It's so often it feels like the games just do not respect my time. They require so much of an investment to be able to progress anything where and it just I just stop. Yeah. Uh, Knockout City was a good example where uh, I remember sitting down and doing the calculations uh, roughly and it was like 40 or 50 wins to get the first uh, cosmetic in the store or something like that. Uh, that's not part of the freebie battle pass that, you know, let's be honest, everybody's going to look exactly the same because, right? So not just and, 40 or 50 games, but 40 or 50 wins. It was it was some obscene number, and, I, and I'm blanking on exactly what it was. But the there was a premium currency, of course, and then there was a secondary currency that you got uh, for winning. And it, it, damn, I'm blanking on the numbers exactly. But like I said, it was just, it was going to be a long slog. And yes, I know, they're all purely cosmetic. However, in a multiplayer game, cosmetics are the gameplay. And especially in a game where it's set around third person, so you're constantly seeing your character on top of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're seeing uh, all these flashy players, uh, and you're sitting there with a a shirt that says uh, Fresh Meat, which uh, that one is a different one, but it's the same general idea. That's the Ubisoft Roller Derby one that also got shut down, even though it had a little bit of a player base around it that really loved the game. Uh, But same deal, where there was just so much of a treadmill on it that it just felt like it didn't respect my time to be able to try to do anything with it. Uh, and I have other games to play. You know, I have my uh, yeah weekly Forza thing to go do, right? Which, yeah, and I think... Which, which I know is also its own live service thing. Well, I was going to say, Forza is the only live service game that I play and enjoy, mm-hmm. and I do feel like it respects my time. You can do the weekly stuff in Forza in... Hmm, three, two, two to three hours. That's what it takes oh, us well, every week. Is about two to three hours. Oh, even faster if you have the expansions because uh, it makes it so that you can skip the more tedious things or the more uh, difficult things. Yeah, if all you're interested is getting the the rewards for the free cars and everything, you know, then yeah. But if you want to do everything, it might take you three hours. Mm-hmm. And that's three hours a week. Yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah. Which you could do across multiple play sessions or all in one go. Um, And as far as time goes, I feel like that's respecting my time pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the main thing is the races that if you don't have a car set up, you know, it's not that much longer. But then you have uh, the free-to-play or the mobile games that, you know, ask you to play... Yeah, a couple hours a day uh, to make the treadmill. Yeah. And if you don't, you're not going to get to the end of the battle pass and you're going to waste money because you didn't get to the end of your paid battle pass. And, oh, it's gone now. And now there's a new battle pass. Better get back on that treadmill. Are there, I mean, this sounds absurd to me, but so does like half the shit that these corporations do. Is there in, are, are there any single player games 
that are battle pass like focused mm. or not battle pass sorry live service focused mm. the closest i could think of would be something like warframe just uh, kind of off the cuff which is technically multiplayer but uh, the main multiplayer is cooperative and a majority of it you can do single player okay maybe mmos like it's been a long time since i've played an mmo per se but I could see that. I mean, I know that they're, you know, multiplayers in the title, but so many Hitman. MMOs these days are... Hitman. Hitman? Uh, it's episodic releases. Oh, okay. Uh, I kind of thought about that one whenever I saw Ubisoft uh, talking about that. Games as a service. Which I know. I know. Uh, Hitman's probably the closest one. Even though that's not really... I mean, that's better, you know, that's better and closer than what I come up with, which was nothing. So, uh, uh, the Suicide Squad game, uh, which they're, uh, backpedaling on the release date on that one, possibly trying to remove some of the games as service stuff. Uh, there's also the, uh, Arkham Knights one. Mm. Oh, Injustice. The, uh, Injustice series became a sort of live service type single player game. I know there's a multiplayer component to it, but primarily it's a single player game. Mortal Kombat 2. 2 as in also, not 2 as in the number 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, after we thought about it, we came up with some, and now I'm sad. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. I, and now I'm going to make sure I got the right one, because it's not Arkham Knight, it's the essentially the sequel. Isn't that one called Arkham Knights, though? Which uh, is, a, yeah, it's Ar- or Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, okay. And I think it's still, I think it's still exclusive to Epic, unless I'm mistaken. Or maybe they finally released it. I was so utterly indifferent of it whenever I saw the, oh, no, it's on Steam. Okay, um. Ooh, that's a bad re- yeah, views. I know it was on a humble bundle at one point for thirty bucks uh, as a top tier, along with a few other things. It, it was on a hum- it was on humble bundle in under like three months, which is not uh you know reassuring on con- not on usually a good sign. Yeah, which I think they were wanting to do games as a service for it. I'm not sure if they're still going to do it, but oh, that was a game that yeah. For a long time, I thought it was like some sort of multiplayer, like uh, ARPG, based on just how they were doing it. Yeah, but nope, no, they just don't know what they're doing or that, how to market it. That checks out to me that they don't know what they're doing. So yeah, okay. Are you uh, ready to move on? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it is kind of a shame that uh, so many smaller multiplayer games are uh, just going away, though. Yeah, I, I, and just the way that there's not a way to continue playing them. Not, uh, not without some serious hardcore uh, hacking, mm-hmm. you know, going on by dedicated and smart people in the communities. And I, I don't think as many of these live service games have that dedicated community as some mm-hmm. of the, I'm sure, hardcore players wish that they did. So, okay. Moving on to our next news topic, 
Atari announces acquisition of more than 100 PC and console titles from the 80s and 90s. Look at you, Atari. Look at you go. Yeah, this is a one that's still kind of veiled in secrecy. Uh, I haven't seen any full lists uh, since this was announced on the 20th of last month. Uh, there's a few titles that pop up. Uh, Hardball Demolition Racer, which is an interesting one. Uh, uh, old uh, 2D uh, platformer Bubsy. Uh, 1942 Pacific Air War, uh, F uh, 117A and F 14 uh, Air Combat series. Uh, that's kind of the ones that's been brought up, but there's no the you know, definitive list of everything that they got. Yeah. Mind you, this isn't the Atari that kind of kicked off gaming. This is like you know, uh, the reanimated corpse that's been. Killed again, reanimated, and now it's a shell of the uh, shambling corpse that it was, you know, like 20 years ago. It's a, it's a, a, a homunculus. A gaming company homunculus. <laughs> uh, something like that. I would say, you know, the, um, oh, what were they called? The, you know, the TV plug-in things from several years ago that got really popular for a hot minute. Uh, the Nintendo- micro consoles. Yeah, I would say that that we're going to see some of those coming out. Like I've seen uh, a yeah, couple that we like haven't Commodore seen Commodore 64. I've seen one of those. Yeah, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of those actually. Or you know, comp- uh, compilations. I've seen a few interesting uh emulation stuff, but that's yeah, you know, piracy. Yeah. Uh the closest I've seen that's Intriguing to me is the uh, and, and let me just double check this before I say it. Uh, yeah, the the interesting one is the Evercade, which is built around uh, uh, actual licensed cartridges uh, for like old Atari and Intellivision stuff. Yeah, that's the closest I've seen to like an all encompassing. Uh, a uh, all-encompassing uh, uh, platform, but uh, even then, you know, you're looking at. Uh, hang on, now I'm trying to find how much these are. Um, I'm trying to find how much a, a one of these cartridges are. Um, looking. Oh, actually, that's a lot more decent than I thought they would be. Looking at eighteen pounds, which is probably twenty-five bucks. Mm-hmm. But just this one at random has 17 games on it. Some of them are a lot more focused. Uh, this one only has eight games, but they're you know arcade classics, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm guessing I'm gonna make a couple couple of guesses. We're either gonna get some of these console mini type things, mm-hmm. but it'll be like an arcade cabinet. We've seen some of those before, or it'll be you know like. The Commodore 64 Mini that I saw last year, or something along those lines, or we'll get uh, these kind of weird—not weird—they—they they used to make them um, sort of compilation packs for modern consoles or PC. That's you know, maybe see three or four of them to get all of the games you know packed in, and you pay 
you know, $20 a pack is what I'd imagine they'd sell them for. Or just simply you know, start pumping out remasters. They could do that. I don't know how much there is to remaster for some of these old games other than to get them running more easily on modern computer standards. Well, I'm thinking sequels. Well, remaster is not the same as a sequel, though. Well, true. Well, well, well that as well. Reboots. Reboots. Series reboots. I could see that for some of these games. I mean, I guess it depends on what all they've got. You know, their full list. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I could see that. Series reboots. It's just how much time and effort do they want to dedicate? You know, a a console mini, um, not too much effort, not too much cost, probably on par with just getting the games running in some kind of compilation pack mm-hmm. for release on PC or console. Developing, you know, new games based on these IP, a lot of work, a lot of investment. Depends on what they're Although there's really... also some nostalgia, I mean... Uh, yeah, Bubsy is one that hasn't seen a sequel in probably thirty years. Yeah, so which uh, wasn't it one time Bubsy sp- kind of lined up to be a essentially a a mascot for one of the uh, consoles. I think so because he was, Bubsy came out around the era like right before Super Mario sixty four, and Bubsy was like. I remember people talking about him being like a mascot to rival Mario. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was a Bubsy game released in 2019. Damn. Although it doesn't seem like it was any good, but that's beside the point. Yeah. So. I don't know if I have too much more to say about this. I think this is a good thing. Just, you know, Atari getting rights to these games. Um, game preservation is hard. Assuming, and- of course. Yeah, they're actually going to preserve them. And they're not just going to hoard these uh, titles outside of a select couple and you know, never allow them to be released uh, out of the... Or I should say, fight uh, people that are trying to preserve them. Because, right? Right. You make a good point. Because we saw with American McGee just a couple weeks ago, him just leave gaming in general because EA is sitting on the uh, Alice series and refuses to do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, which wasn't really my jam, but at the same time, it sucks that, you know, a game series that he developed and built up and wants to do more with, he can't because he doesn't own the rights. Yeah. I get uh, a little, little personally upset about intellectual property mm-hmm. rights. Hoarding. Yeah. Which, you know, this is kind of, uh, does worry me that they might be doing that as well. Or, you know, uh, building up a catalog for whatever purposes. I mean, like I said, you know, this, the Atari that we're dealing with at this point is essentially a holding company. Yeah. Or an offshoot of a holding company, I should say. Because the Atari names have been passed around so much that yeah, <laughs> that they're having to tape the Atari, uh, yo, hello, my name is Atari, uh, to their uh, shirt. Because the sticky attack on it's already gone off. Yeah. It has, like, I, fuzz from, like, 20 different shirts. I think I'm going to trust their desire to make money more than their poor, like, tendencies to hoard something. 
Yeah, but didn't Atari have a piss poor uh, micro console launch uh, a couple of years ago? So did it actually launch? I thought it died on the vine. Uh, now I'm, I'm just seeing if I can find it. Atari VCS. Nope, you can buy it. Um, there's also Atari XP. What is that? Okay, you can buy cartridges, and then you can buy PCBs. Holy shit! Black Widow reproduction PCB, two hundred forty-five dollars. Gravatar Re- reproduction PBC, two hundred forty-five dollars. Major Havoc PCB. That's interesting. Oh, that would be fascinating if they took all of these games and turned them into PCBs for arcade cabinets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would be good or bad or kind of neutral, but it would be interesting. Yeah, IGN gave the VCS a uh, uh, poor review, saying it's too expensive for what it is. Which IGN is a softball reviewer. Costly nostalgia and uh, DIY potential from uh, Shack News. Tech Radar gives it a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, struggles with some games, which, how? It's Atari, right? Yeah. I don't know, buy one of these. I'm not going to. That would be a poor financial decision, and I'm, I need to be careful about my finances for a hot minute, but I do want to buy one. How much do they cost? Yeah, I can't buy this. Hang on, let me see the price first. <laughs> all in bundle. Comes with a console and two controllers, 300 bucks. That's not as bad as I was expecting. Ooh, Best Buy has it for 400. Very <laughs> VCS delivers a universe of games, apps, streaming, and entertainment. Built in Chrome to your TV or monitor in glorious HD. It's Web TV. It's back. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that seems really expensive for what it is. Yeah. Especially some of the reviews uh, comment on how it struggles with some of its games. Still kind of want one. Uh, Atari was bef- really before my time, so I don't have the nostalgia for it. I had, well, we had, it wasn't mine. We had, um, a couple of Atari consoles when I was a kid, just kicking around the house. I don't know what happened to them. I haven't seen them in forever. Probably in a box in a closet somewhere at my parents' mm-hmm. house, but I have so- oh, excuse me. I have some nostalgia, but not enough to make me be like, oh, I'm going to buy this right now, even though oh, I probably God. shouldn't. I may have just found uh, something from my uh, niece. I-, I was on GameStop. I hit... Uh- Retro consoles. Yeah. So it's a little tabletop Dance Dance uh, Revolution arcade-like machine that you play with dancing your fingers on the pads. That's cute. <laughs> it has some really nasty reviews on it, though. That's well, hilarious at the same time. It looks like it uses the uh, your cell phone uh, for the screen, so... Like the Atari VCS can be had on eBay for 150 to 200 bucks, so half what Atari's selling it for. That's not good, son. No. All right. I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say about Atari. Do you? Uh, I don't think so. At least not the, not at the time being. Okay. Final news topic that's not community corner. Eighty uh, percent of game workers interested in four day week. A skill search survey finds. E giving. Uh, a- uh, asking uh, over uh, chronically overworked <laughs> uh, uh, industry. Do you want to work one late, last day a week? 
I mean, there have been a ton of studies outside of just this that that claim or that show, not just claim, show that a four day work week would be beneficial in our modern economies and our modern lives. Um, something like fifteen to twenty percent of time spent at work is wasted mm-hmm. in a traditional sort of office setting. Um, or really most jobs, um, because, you know, you have to be there X number of hours. So you have time that's just like spent wasted. And then if companies would reorganize down to four day work weeks or shorter work days, if you're doing five days a week still, that, that would be more beneficial to workers and ultimately would have no loss of productivity. But you know, these companies want to monopolize as much of our time as they possibly can. So why would they do that? I mean, they've also got forced people to come back into offices whenever studies have shown people get more shit done whenever they could just do it at home. Yep, people get more stuff done, and by and large, they are happier working from home. I mean, there's outliers, and there are certain jobs that either can't be done remotely or have strong benefits for being done in person but for the most part people were happier working from home i was fucking ecstatic (laughs) i love working from home i miss working from home if i ever change jobs like either like clinics that i work at or if something happens and i like wind up jumping ship on my career i'm never going to work in an office ever again i'm gonna work from home for the rest of my life if the next time i change jobs too many shitty people, right? <laughs> just too like it's just it's unnecessary. Like my job doing therapy does have benefits to in person. I'm not going to deny that that's the case, but you can get almost the exact same benefit via uh, video therapy sessions. Um, so I just that's what I'm going to do next time I change jobs. So I'm just going to come home and I'm going to park it right here. I'm going to get a much more comfy desk chair, and my ass is is not leaving it. <laughs> but that's that's beside the point. I mean, I think most jobs would benefit from a, a four-day four day work week. And, even uh, if, uh, and an actual livable wage on top of it. And an actual livable wage on top of it, yes. Benefits. How about, and while we're getting uh, doing this, uh, get rid of uh, tipping. Yep, no more tipping. Just pay people a living wage. If you feel a desire to tip someone for exceptional service in some way, so be it. But let's not make tips a part of... uh, Like, don't make me provide a living wage to your employee. Just pay them more. I mean, technically, I would provide it by buying your product, in this case, food. But, you know, that's fine. I'll pay more for food if you're paying your people a living wage. Anyways, that's socialism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's let's be fair and balanced here. That's socialism and, and communism and brr. There, I think we accurately represented the other side full of dipshits. Uh I think you were too articulate. Ah. And and you need some gunfire in there as well. Right. Oh uh, well I've got my handgun sitting here next to me on the desk. Let me just fire off a few rounds. Give everyone that I live with a heart attack. Maybe kill somebody outside walking down the road. Oh, no, you gotta wait for him to uh, ring your doorbell first. Yeah, castle doctrine. This is this is my castle. They are 
breaching it. Therefore, I must shoot them. Which is very fitting with uh, playing Persona. <laughs> yeah. I wish there is to talk about. Like, I mean, yes, we both agree with this. Yes, it makes sense. Yes, we are not surprised that a chronically overworked uh, population or chronically overworked sort of type of employee is would feel better if they, they could work less. Or mortal. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know how much more there is to say. Like, four-day work week, based. <laughs> also, eat the rich. Woo! That is that is good and based. Well, uh, I hope you base them, because, yes, a lot of them are old and rather stringy. And... True, true. And I, I'm imagining you're going to have to do, like, a slow roast, because, you know. So, better, better base them. First, we got to beat the devil out of them. Bob Ross would, would, would want that. <laughs> All right. Um, moving into our community corner topics. Uh, community corner uh, on our Discord or via email, although that hasn't happened in some time. Occasionally, listeners will drop news articles or funny anecdotes or whatever into yeah, our Discord's chat. Discord's been kind of the uh, big uh, uh, stream for this stuff, huh? Yeah. Um, but anyways, we've got a couple of articles from, from there over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Apple iOS's walled garden doesn't break antitrust laws and appeals court affirms. Yeah, so, um, Epic lost. Epic lost. And here I was uh, hoping for mutually assured destruction. Right. But, I mean, I'm still happy that, you know, both of these companies had to spend, spend a shitload of money and mm-hmm. that Epic lost. I mean... And pretty much the status quo is upheld. Maybe happy is the wrong way to say it, but I am entertained. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Apple products with the walled garden, to be perfectly honest. It's the main reason why I refuse to use an iPhone. Yeah. Because if something gets pulled from the Apple App Store, well, it's gone off your phone, too. Yep. Well, I have a lot more freedom to do whatever the hell I want uh, with Android, which Adidas had second thoughts with her uh, phone choice, uh, seeing some of the shit I do with my phone. What did she get? Uh, she uh, she got an iPhone whenever she went over to my uh, uh, cell phone plan. Yeah. So uh, a fairly recent one. It was, was it the brand new one? But it was close enough that you know she's not going to upgrade for a few years. But, you know, she's seen me, you know, now I have to worry about storage space because I put a micro SD card in my phone. Right. So, yeah, it it really stinks, like I said, that the wall guard is upheld. Not that I'm on Epic side, far from it, actually. But, yeah, you know, I would yeah. I would have liked to seen, you know, some sort of ability to sideload shit. Yeah. Both sides suck. Give users a right to do what they want with the devices that they've purchased. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making me think of the right to repair legislation and and how it was a uh, couple of states. Decapped. Yeah. That was decapped in New York by basically saying, oh, well, you can just sell, uh, you know, entire uh, assemblies. You know, so you need to like, you know, uh, a new headphone jack. Well, they're going to sell you the an entire like charge, uh, 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 the charging uh, circuitry and everything else, and instead of it being a five dollar part, it's going to be a fifty dollar part. 
And that's before upcharging. Yep. So, yeah, it's honestly, I hadn't thought about this case in a while. It's been a mm-hmm. hot minute since it, um, you know, the last time we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. But it has, of course, been ongoing for 18 months. Oh, God. Right. Maybe, maybe two full years. So it just takes a long time for these things to, to wind through court. Because when you've got companies with this much money on both sides of the equation, mm-hmm. then they've got, you know, teams of lawyers that get paid millions, tens of millions of dollars a year, falling, filing motions and all kinds of stuff left and right, like bogging down the proceedings. Yeah, so the first challenge was in 2020. So pre-COVID, I remember them... Uh, oh, this was the one that they did the Fortnite... Uh, uh, parody of uh, Apple's uh, 19, uh, 19... Yeah, the 1984 ad or whatever it was. Yeah, 1984 ad, yeah. Yeah, like, the moment that it went down, you know, you know they had it uh, prepped and ready to go. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And it cost them a lot of money and really got nothing out of it. Outside of making themselves look like giant villains. I've been watching. Which, uh, I've been watching a couple British uh, YouTubers. So, yeah, which they are villains. <laughs> All mega corporations are villains. No, oh, Bellend. Oh, Bellends. I thought you said villain. No, Bellend. Right. I know what that is. All major <laughs> corporations are also Bellends. So, uh, anything really else to comment on this outside of, well, uh, that's over at least for now. They're appeals of course yeah no i have no further comment okay so last one and oh boy <laughs> fan unwittingly scores some new magic the gathering cards and gets the pinkertons on their ass i, I saw this co- or, or i heard this covered in a couple podcasts essentially uh they ordered a booster pack or a booster box of one set and match and through uh, a comedy of errors, they were sent an unreleased set of cards uh, because it has a very similar name. Yeah, it's like the expansion onto whatever they bought. And yeah. Wizards of the Coast sent the Pinkertons after them and extremely aggressive on their part. Yeah, talking about how they're violating copyright law and they're going to sue, and uh, if they don't give up all the property right now, they're going to lose everything they have. And uh, called the police on them, and uh, the Pinkertons called the police on the home on the uh, people that bought the cards. Mind you, they did nothing wrong. They were given uh, uh, the wrong box essentially, but. Wizards of the Coast, in their uh, ultimate paranoia, said that they somehow stole this box of uh, booster cards and then posted it online because, right? Yeah. It's just kind of mind-blowing, honestly. uh, That, one, the Pinkertons are, you know, I I know that they're uh, around, but at the same time, it feels weird, you know? Yeah. But also... This isn't the first time the Wizards of the Coast have unleashed the Pinkertons on them, on uh, on people, uh, because they're really good at strong-arming people. They have been for a very long time. Yeah. Mm, 
perusing this article for anything else more interesting to to discuss. It does make me wonder if uh, the homeowner has some sort of uh, you know, like lobble case against Wizards of the Coast, talking uh, calling them thieves and such. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's yeah, you know, David and Goliath, and right. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't feel like like it would matter if he had standing. Yeah. Like I feel like he would still wind up getting fucked. Mm-hmm. True. Anything interesting to talk about, or no? Is it, is it kind of just yeah, you know, a headline and then yeah, uh, Wizards of the Coast are kind of a bag of dicks. That's mostly it. It's a headline and then Wizards of the Coast very paranoid bag of dicks. Um, Pinkerton Detective Agency. So you could just hire the Pinkertons. Interesting. Yep. This isn't like some weird coincidence. Like no, no, no. You can just hire them. Good to know, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, they're. Uh, they're famous for a reason, though. Yeah. Or, or I should say infamous. They're fam- so famous, they're infamous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything else that's really worth, like, in- mentioning. The headline is the fucking most interesting thing, that the Pinkertons, <laughs> the literal Pinkertons, showed up to get some Magic the Gathering cards. And, oh, well, also, supposedly they wanted uh, receipts for all the cards that they had. Mind you, this is a major like streamer and uh 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 Magic the Gathering player. So they had something on the order of a billion cards. God damn. Yeah, that's a lot of money tied up. That. Huh? Yeah. That's some expensive cardboard. So yeah. Um any anything any final thoughts you have before we move towards the end of the show? Well, Wizards of the Coast are a bag of dicks, so... Wizards of the Coast are a bag of dicks. And also, I'm way too poor to even want to play Magic the Gathering. Because, damn, that gets expensive quickly. Yeah. It's almost as bad as a uh, as a mobile game. Not quite, but, yo, it's up there. Close. Alright. Well, uh, Rage, how can people send us stuff in the community corner or otherwise talk to us if they want to? Well, if you wish to email us, it's vglpodcast at gmail.com. You can drop us a tweet over at vglpodcast on the Twitter, even though I don't really use Twitter that much these days. I do still check it. And it's, yeah, the the bird is uh, not quite dead, but oh boy, right? Yeah. Um, But if you wish to get into the Discord... You can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, which has been kind of our big, yo, community outreach. Indeed. Hmm. So, it's it's midnight, more or less. Um, I do not, like, I, I'm, I'm too <laughs> sleepy and have to get up too early to engage in a discovery queue. <laughs> personally. Oh, sorry, I was coughing, I couldn't hear you. Oh, you're good. What what I said was it is midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I am too tired and have to get up too early to really want to engage in a discovery queue. Okay. Well, I will say the first game I had on my queue, Jedi Survivor. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Also known as the latest of deployed uh, apology dot JPEG. Indeed, and we might wind up talking about that next week. You never know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, because I hit the mic trying to throw away my cough drop, uh, a rapper. So hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit us with them socials? Oh, I've been caffeine Rage. You could 
check out my old tweets over at uh, Gaming with CR. Uh, maybe I'll tweet again someday. Uh, I think Elon Musk will have to give up Twitter before that at this point because, oh boy. Uh, right. If you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can find me over there, Caffeine Rage, as well. And you've been? I've been Jared. You can find me on our Discord, which has already been mentioned. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. You can find me every other week or so running a game on Wednesday nights. This is being streamed on twitch.tv slash runicarts. We are still playing Vampire the Masquerade, but whenever we finish that campaign, we intend to play a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh, something a little more classic magical fantasy. So that'll be good. Woo! Woo! But, uh, yeah, that does it for my stuff. Which means I scroll all the way back up to the top. And once again, you can contact us via podcast with at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, tweet them to VGL Podcast, or hop on the Discord, which you can find a link to that as well as hopefully all our stuff, dead and not, uh, com. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. Our intro downtrend music is on the ground by Ken McLeod. You can find his work over at com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya.